Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on May 21st, 2021 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a congressional update on the January 6th commission vote, the latest polling on vaccines and who doesn't want one, encouraging DHEC data on the teens who are lining up to get the shot, And we have a beefy business section featuring some bland unemployment numbers paired with robust state economic news. In our medical section, Dr. Linda Bell has advice for businesses that still mandate mask use and much more. Just an FYI, we're going to be coming out later on Tuesday or possibly early Wednesday with our episode due to a production scheduling issue. So if you're frustrated by this or didn't even hear this because you sped through this section of the podcast then you won't hear me asking you to complain about it by calling 803-563-7169. That's our voicemail box where you can tell us all about what's going on in your COVID world. Holler at us with your name, where you're calling from, and some news from your world. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 9,672 total deaths, and currently there are 590,314 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of May 21st at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 3.7%. 316 South Carolinians are currently hospitalized, 92 are in intensive care, and 35 are on ventilators. As of right now, 35.3% of eligible South Carolinians have completed vaccination. Our seven-day moving average of cases is 391 a day. For the week ending May 15th, we had 3,143 cases and 35 deaths. That was down from 4,006 cases and 51 deaths the week before. The week ending May 22nd is expected to continue the downward trend. Speaking of downward trends, the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security found that on May 16th, the United States reported 17,724 new cases, the first day with fewer than 20,000 new cases since June 15th and the lowest single day since June 7th. On May 14th, the per capita daily incidence rate fell below 10 daily cases per 100,000 population for the first time since early in the country's second surge. And at 545 deaths per day, the current daily mortality is at its lowest point since April 1st, 2020. Let's start off with a congressional update. House lawmakers approved a bill creating an independent commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol that was intended to pressure and threaten lawmakers as well as the vice president while they were certifying the legal election that former President Donald Trump repeatedly told his supporters was stolen, which it was not in any way. Only 35 Republicans joined Democrats in supporting a bipartisan 9-11-style commission, including 7th Congressional District Representative Tom Rice, who is one of 10 House Republicans who voted to impeach Trump in January for his role in inciting the insurrection. Now, 10 Senate Republicans would need to support the measure for it to pass. However, even though seven voted to convict Trump in January, such a number is not likely, and a Republican filibuster is on the horizon next week. 
Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who following the insurrection said, quote, there's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day, quote, is against such a commission in large part due to the political implications of weeks of hearings and an unflattering report possibly being issued so close to the 2022 midterms when his party has its eyes on retaking the Senate and House with Trump still being a major factor. Speaking of the insurrection, a sixth South Carolinian was indicted this week for his involvement in storming the Capitol on January 6. The Post and Courier reports that 26-year-old Nicholas Langeron of Little River was arrested by the FBI on April 15th on multiple charges in connection with the insurrection. And court records said a grand jury found enough evidence to formally charge Langeron with seven counts, including civil disorder, assaulting or resisting officers using a dangerous weapon, and engaging in an act of physical violence in the Capitol grounds or buildings. From the Capitol to the White House, on Thursday, President Joe Biden signed the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which requires the Justice Department to facilitate expedited review of hate crimes and authorizes grants to state and local governments to prevent, address, or respond to hate crimes. The law addresses the underreporting of hate crimes and works to fix it, dedicating resources and training to state and local law enforcement to identify and report them to the FBI. It also establishes online reporting of hate crimes. Closer to home, the State Department of Education is asking for public input as it formulates its plan to spend $211.2 million in funding received through the American Rescue Plan's Elementary and Secondary School Emergency Relief Fund, funding that the State Superintendent of Education has called transformational. There will be a two-hour hearing Tuesday at 5.30 p.m., and you can email your comments to communications at ed.sc.gov. And on our way out, we have new polling for you from NPR, PBS NewsHour, and Marist that found the percentage of American adults saying they will get a COVID-19 vaccine or have already gotten one held steady at 73% this month. NPR reports that the least likely to say they will get vaccinated continues to be Trump supporters at 43% and Republicans at 41%. The poll was conducted between May 4th and May 10th and sampled 1,249 adults has a margin of error of plus or minus 3.3 percentage points. You already know this is our beefy business section. I already told you that. But if you're a vegan, you might just want to go ahead and skip ahead, folks. <laughs> but let's start off with some not-so-beefy unemployment numbers for you. Hmm. <laughs> the South Carolina Department of Employment and Workforce reports that our unemployment rate barely budged to 5% in April from 5.1% in March. Remember when everyone freaked out because April numbers didn't show the forecasted growth everyone was expecting? Well, same here in the Palmetto State. The industries that saw the biggest gains were education and health services and construction and government, adding 3,800 jobs in total. But those gains were offset by losses, with manufacturing losing 2,500 jobs month over month. Professional and business services lost 2,300 jobs, and financial activities and hospitality both lost 1,300 jobs each. These were offset by the 6,400 people dropping out of the labor force from the previous month. April did mark the fourth month of incremental decline from 5.3% in January. 
SC Do director Dan Elzey said that this is the hottest job market in the past six years, with 82,000 open jobs and unemployment claimants being required to complete two job searches a week to stay on unemployment rolls. Though a large number are not doing this, he said. We're also about a month away from when all federal unemployment benefits, including that extra $300 a week, will expire in accordance with Governor Henry McMaster's executive order. But of course, a multitude of factors are shaping the labor demand right now, from claims that people would prefer in some situations to make more on unemployment than at a low-wage job, to people, especially families and women, not being able to afford child care, thus keeping many women sidelined from getting back into the labor market. But the big issue driving all this low wages. So what can companies do? Pay employees more, like Amazon, Chipotle, Costco, McDonald's, Walmart, and many others are doing. Meanwhile, median pay for the CEOs of more than 300 of the biggest U.S. public companies reached $13.7 million last year, up from $12.8 million for the same companies a year earlier, according to a Wall Street Journal analysis. Furthermore, CEOs of big companies now make, on average, 320 times as much as their typical worker does, according to the Economic Policy Institute. In 1989, that ratio was 61 to 1. The New York Times reports that as a share of gross domestic product, worker compensation is lower than at any point in the second half of the 20th century. Just like a fat cat CEO, South Carolina is also rolling in the dough. An extra $421 million more than was expected flowed into state coffers through April, according to the Revenue and Fiscal Affairs Office. This is good news. This estimate is why lawmakers have put off completing their budget, which already had more than $1 billion extra in mostly one-time dollars added in. Now, they're approaching an extra $2 billion to include in the budget. That already includes a 2% state employee pay raise, a $1,000 pay raise for teachers, long overdue employments to underfunded colleges and universities, and more. The RFA also reported better-than-expected sales tax revenues, accommodation taxes, and alcohol taxes. All good signs for the leisure and hospitality industry recovery. Now, if trends continue, there will be a budget surplus for next year as well, as long as the economy continues to recover. Of course, the driving factor behind much of this has been the federal stimulus that has been juicing our economy and others including the federal unemployment benefits that end next month. We also have to see what happens with the final income tax filings since the deadline was pushed back to May 17th, and some 200,000 filings remained as of April. Other concerns include supply chain issues, inflation, and international COVID rates. So, beefy, beefy section right there, and we leave you with reporting from the Wall Street Journal that said minutes from the Federal Reserve Bank's policy meeting in late April, released Wednesday, reported that some Fed officials want to begin discussing a plan for reducing the Fed's massive bond-buying program at a future meeting. At $120 billion a month, it's clearly a big move that many people have been waiting on and one the market is also watching closely. Smell that? It smells like teen spirit. That's right. It's been more than a week since 12 to 15-year-olds in the state have been eligible to receive the Pfizer vaccine. And wouldn't you know it, these young Zoomers have helped the 12 to 19-year-old demographic surpass those 20 to 24-year-olds, their fellow Gen Zers. There's data! Granted, one category spans eight years. 
half of which just became eligible, and the other spans five years, who have been eligible for the vaccines as far back as March 8th in Phase 1B and completely eligible starting March 31st with everyone in the state. State epidemiologist Dr. Linda Bell on Wednesday said the early numbers were encouraging for this important age group. We're very encouraged by this early turnout, but of course we're continuing to ask everyone in that age group and above to get their shot as soon as possible. You know, it's hard to say what we would have predicted, but what we want to see is a continued and stronger turnout for vaccination in that age group because we we don't want anyone to forget that getting the vaccine is really the only way to protect yourself reliably and uh, for a longer period of time from those around you who could be spreading the virus. And so it is by vaccinating everyone in our population who's eligible that we can get an end to this pandemic and the beginning to return to our normal lives. Now the older Zoomers, those 20 to 24 year olds, are the worst (gasps) at getting the vaccine in the state. Meanwhile, more 25 to 34 year olds, which is your millennial old Gen Z mix, is outperforming the 35 to 44 year olds, which is your older millennial your creaky bone millennial and your young Gen Xers. (laughs) This is all to say, this says so much about all of you guys, and that's coming from a (laughs) 34-year-old. My bones aren't creaking that bad yet. But maybe some of you are saying, Gavin, stop the generation hating, and maybe we're not getting the vaccine because we already have natural immunity since we were spreading it so much earlier, so we don't need no vaccine. Well, first off, I will not let you tell me what to do. You're not my dad. Sorry, excuse me. That, I don't know where that came from. Also, it's unclear how long such natural immunity lasts, which is why officials are hesitant to include such numbers alongside vaccine numbers when looking at herd immunity rates. Although the duration of immunity from natural infection can vary from one individual to the next, it could be uh, three months or shorter, or it could be longer. But what we know is that immunity from the vaccine lasts much longer. So when we're thinking of a goal to reach for herd immunity, Again, we have to be cautious about including um, those who have natural infection because that does tend to overestimate the proportion of the population who have achieved and will retain immunity to help us with reaching our goal of um, overall herd. So we're kind of in this masking gray area right now, huh? Where yes, social distancing and mask mandates for fully vaccinated people have been loosened in many places but some businesses continue to still require masks from customers and employees because there is still a substantial unvaccinated population out there. Dr. Bell had this advice to businesses who, again, have the right to enforce their own protocols. Well, I I would ask business owners to be aware of the the risk to their workers and their clients because, um, especially for individuals who work in a setting where it's not easy for them to protect themselves from exposure to others. So when you relax uh, mask requirements, indoors in particular, um, you're continuing to put individuals at risk who may not be protected. Individuals who may be susceptible because they have uh, immunocompromising conditions, even if they're vaccinated. Also children who cannot yet be vaccinated. So I, I hope that business owners will take all of those things into consideration, that they can still be very helpful and very effective in our communities in protecting their workers and protecting their clients who are um, not vaccinated. So again, like throughout this entire pandemic, let's continue to think of others and respect them 
If you wish to continue masking in places where mandates have been lifted, so be it. I'm not going to tell you to be disrespectful like some commentators who have urged people to tell people to take their masks off or confront families with children, (laughs) force their masks off. No, it's a personal decision and personal responsibility. Remember when that phrase was big? I do. Long year. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. And we want to hear from you. Keep our section vibrant and alive in the hopper full. Leave us a message at 803-563-7169. Tell us what's happening in your world. Has someone yelled at you for not taking your mask off? Are you yelling at people for still masking? We want to know. 803-563-7169. AT, has, uh, have we gotten one? Have we got a voicemail for us here? The hopper is uh, not, it, it's it's oh, not bone dry. It's kind of nice. pleasant. It, it, people in there, they got, they got other weather. people to talk to. It's nice. Um, <laughs> oh, springtime weather, dude. Uh, but also, we got a very special call today. Mm. Very mm. special call. Uh, someone that uh, is Joe Biden. He it, called finally. It, it was the Obama. president call. It was Obama. <laughs> uh, they both listened though. Uh, uh, yes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we can't verify that though. We, we, <laughs> can, we can verify that they listen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, just take a listen. If we have real uh, public media fans, mm. they're going to recognize this caller. Mm. And this is South Carolina Public Radio. I'm Vince Colbluga with today's adult headlines. With call-ins to the SC lead pod at an all-time embarrassingly low, I'm calling in to report that I have a new garage door. After my homeowners association approved the design, I called the company and they came out. The door was installed Monday and came with two clickers, so now I have my own garage door opener. Also note that my homeowners association has contacted me because the sign from the garage door company in the front yard is apparently not permitted under our rules. In other news, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm about two weeks out from my second dose of Moderna vaccine. It was a terrible experience. I watched so many bad movies and ate pretty much nothing that day because I just felt so terrible. But since then, I've gone to a couple of events, outdoors of course, but they were still crowded. I don't know. I'm, it's kind of nice to get back to normal. But anyway, that's it for your headlines. I'm Vince Cole Blugo, and you're listening to the SC Lead Pod. The time now is 18 minutes and 35 seconds. Oh, wow. Vince Cole Brugo called us. <laughs> the Vince Cole Brugo. How did he know what time to put there at the he, end? He's just such a consummate professional. Like, he, he just feels it out. You so know? on top of it. So I mean, on top of what it. What a great report there. New garage door. Also, his HOA sounds horrible, but what <laughs> HOA doesn't? <laughs> just the worst. <laughs> Tell us about your HOA. We might put it on air, but sometimes it's just too. I just can't. If Oof. you're, if it's safe enough for you guys, <laughs> yeah, if you're allowed to speak about your HOA. Yeah, they are. They do rule the neighborhood with an iron fist. We anyway, can modulate your voice. It is Friday, which Friday. means once again we have intern Josh's segment here. Yes, Josh, news, hello, welcome. On the what's news, up? what's have, up? What's up? And the news may have we may have missed this week. Our intern Josh. Yes, because Gavin and I, we are too old to keep up with what the young people think and 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 all that jazz. Anyway. Uh, Josh, what do you have this week? A lot of we got a lot of feedback from last week where you have a you, you have a you set a high bar oh, for yourself. Oh man, I yeah. did, didn't yeah. I? So let's go. Let's see oh. what you got. Well, Gavin kind of inadvertently helped me with this on oh. Twitter. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, 
I don't know. I think it was meant to be because I really I'm a good mentor. noticed that I really liked your shirt too, AT, the Beefy King one. Oh, yeah. Beefy King from Orlando. Great. Uh, yeah. Gavin was there with me. Okay. So you'll like this too. Um, <laughs> hundreds of PPP loans went to fake farms in absurd places. Mm. Uh, an online lending platform called Cabbage sent 378 pandemic loans worth $7 million to fake companies who happen to be all mostly farms. Okay. So I gotta, I, I'll name out some of these names of these farms. Yes, love it. Let's hear them. Dealey Nuts. Dealey Nuts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tomato Kramer. <laughs> okay. S- seaweed Bleeman. <laughs> okay. Ritter Wheat Club. Ritter Wheat Club. That smoke, one's kind of cool. Smoke them if you got them. The last one's best Ooh. one. Beefy King. Beefy King? Beefy King? Yeah. Yes. No! <laughs> yes. No, Beefy King! Your beloved burger joint down there in Orlando. It wasn't burgers. It was roast beef. Oh, I don't even remember what roast it was. Roast beef and tater tots, remember? I, hard to remember such a delicious experience. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I love it. I love these. Uh... Yeah, it's I mean? a really sad report from ProPublica there about just how like abused the system was. Oh, absolutely in the name terrible. of getting that money out the door as fast as possible, we all knew there was going to be grift and fraud. But yeah, yeah. but you got to imagine it did more more good than than harm. Yeah, but does you, that does that fall more in cabbages or the lenders? They have a yeah. It sounds like it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be on them, and I mean, it's going to be they're going to prove cabbage. Some of this stuff is pretty loose. If you say cabbage normally, it's how people in New Jersey say garbage. Oh, really? That's cabbage. <laughs> anyway, Gavin. So it's the cabbage state. <laughs> yeah, it's the cabbage state. Gavin, you, you, you're you a little different da. here. You, da. No. Ya oda nine. Well, Gavin has some uh, international news for us here in the end. Well, I, people are asking me if I'm going to go to the Carolina Cup this weekend, the PGA uh-huh. Championship. Yeah, down in Cuba. I say nine. Nine. I'm uh, staying home. <laughs> Oh. And I'm watching the Eurovision Song Contest <laughs> finals on Saturday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Explain. As American News Network CNN reported, Eurovision, <laughs> that's probably like borderline, maybe inappropriate. Yeah. The Eurovision Song Contest has everything, right? A trumpet playing German dancer dressed like a middle finger, mm-hmm. a singer accused of advocating Satan worship. Love it. A smattering of Central and Eastern European talent show veterans. Oh, yeah. And look over there. For some reason, Florida or Florida. I mean, either or is acceptable <laughs> at the Eurovision Song Contest. Which is, can you explain to the listeners what Eurovision is exactly? <laughs> exactly, no, but I can give you the gist of it. It's basically <laughs> like 40 countries all put their best acts out there to compete for the, the, the championship the trophy, best the song best song. Of Europe. You know, ABBA was like, of course, the best. There. You can't beat ABBA there. But I'm personally looking forward to the Ukrainian folk techno group. Go underscore A. I think mm. I pronounced that correctly. That sounds right to and me. And if you're not listening to Ukrainian folk techno, just unsubscribe from the podcast right it, now. Actually, Gavin and I have been <laughs> hiding the Ukrainian folk techno in all the bumper songs. Yes. So you've you, been listening to Eurovision songs <laughs> you, this entire you, time. It's been the whole time. You're actually huge fans. Um, but, but yeah, there was, there was that uh, Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, surprisingly. They had a movie come out. I can't remember the name of it. It's about Eurovision. It. But it's about Eurovision. I don't, I don't think anyone watched that. Movie. I don't think so either. It was yeah. very random. Josh, did you see it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, no one has seen it. Josh hasn't seen it. <laughs> yeah. If, if you and I haven't and Josh, I mean, that's that's a key demo for Will yeah. Ferrell movies. But they've been having their, their semifinals all week. So there's 20, 20 countries competing on the big stage. They're pumped because they're doing it in person in the Netherlands. Sure. Um, so it's a big time for Europe. Big uh, big unifier over there. So 20 countries head-to-head on Saturday. I just... I just you got to go so, Ukraine. I'm just so nervous right now. Ukraine yeah, in the membrane. You really know what I mean? Really going for Ukraine right there, yes. Yeah. Love it. 
Well, that's great, Gavin. I hope your guys win. Go underscore A. You have the endorsement of the lead, and they could probably lead off because I'm sure they are also listeners. Yeah. Or Malta. Pod. You know, Malta could always pull it out. <laughs> but they, they, uh, Gavin's vote does carry a lot of weight in Eurovision. It's like I an mean, upper. It's like you know, in the Gladiator. The you're upper a real. Down. Yeah, you're. <laughs> you're just like Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. <laughs> yes. Exactly right. It's horrible. <laughs> anyway, take it out, Gavin. Say goodbye to well, the good folks. People. Thanks for listening to the pod. Show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail at 803-563-7169 or a review on iTunes. Tell us who you're rooting for there on the Eurovision Song Contest. Maybe you've been a long-standing fan and I just insulted you. I don't know. I just, I'm just i interested that this year because we didn't have it last year. But be sure to keep up with all the news on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Are we ready to go? Is that computer, is the computer responding to your touch?